The following is a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management. Well, good afternoon and welcome back to another edition of Business Sense Radio with your host, Edward King of Alliance Career Training Solutions. Edward is our host, and um, as he's been doing the last few weeks, he's had some really great, interesting guests talking about some of the most important issues facing all of us, not only here in Monterey County, but the state of California and across the United States and the world. So once again, let's bring in Edward King with today's program. Hi, Edward. Uh, hi, Mark. Thank you so very much. And um, we have a very good, amazing special guest who is actually right there at the front front lines with um, our schools and, and the issues that have been going on. But before I introduce her, I just wanted to touch on a few things of interest. Yeah. The first one is I want to highly recommend that this book. And you should definitely read it if you have children or grandchildren or you know, you, you've become awoke, awakened, literally, by the distress of what's going on here in America and, and especially in our schools. And the name of this book is called Race to the Bottom, Uncovering the Secret Forces Destroying the American Public Education. It's by Luke Rosak, and he is an investigative journalist as well as a very successful author. And this book is absolutely worth the time. You can pull it down from, uh, you can do a Kindle version, you can get it on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or wherever you buy your books. And it is a interesting read. And what's interesting about it is this book clearly, and I mean very specifically, uncovers the shocking reason why the American education system is failing. Now, you know, in past programs, we've talked about how bad our local public education is here in California, in our county, and it's actually been really bad for the last 20 years. Maybe you don't remember, but back in the 70s, the California, the state of California, had the number one education system without within all 50 states. And now we're about 48, 49, and the only people that are beating us to the bottom is places like Mississippi and Louisiana. So I wanted to cover a couple of facts as a reminder of, of the status of our schools. Now, this isn't brand new. This has been going on for a while, and here's some local results. And this is not about some far-off state. This is our schools here in the Monterey County area. Now, the education quality in our schools is very interesting because locally we have an 82% graduation rate for high school students. Unfortunately, their um, tested reading levels is only ninth grade first month. So basically, they read at an eighth grade level, and yet they are getting a 12th grade high school diploma. Even worse is the math scores, their math test results is sixth grade fifth month. I mean, think about that. So they struggle with one of the most core fundamental skills that an individual needs to participate in their jobs, participate in the political arena, and understand what is being said and told to them. So when you hear this 82% graduation rate and yet such low reading and math skills, there's obviously a terrible disconnect between receiving a diploma and the proficiency levels at which these students are graduating with. 
And when you think about it, how is this going to show up in the real world? Well, the very first place, if they decide to go on to some level of college, here's some interesting results. Now, you know an incoming student at a college takes a placement test, which helps the college determine which English class and so on and so forth that they should be placed at. But here are our results. Incoming students at Hartnell have a 90% failure rate with the placement test, which ends up resulting in years of remedial classes, remedial education to make up for the lack of learning in the lower grades. Now, another uh, junior college that we have in this area, Monterey Peninsula College, which draws from the peninsula, so Carmel and Monterey High and some of those local schools over there off the water, they too have a 75% failure rate. And these are the supposedly the better funded schools. Now, we have a state college here called CSUNB. And it too has a failure rate, and it should, and it's way beyond what you can imagine. Their failure rate is sixty-five percent, and those are the cream of the crop of the high school graduates. And in every case, remedial education is required and necessary. Now, when people do enter into CSUNB and tackle this, only forty-five percent actually finish with the degree. And so, the big question here is: Why are the grades so high? And yet the learning is so low. Interesting, as you look across our entire country, in 1990, the average grade level at graduation was a 2.68. And then in 2000, was a 2.94. And currently, it's over 3.0. So the grades are being inflated, and yet the education results is going, going down. And so this book that I'm sharing with you, and again, the name of the book, is Race to the Bottom, Uncovering the Secret Forces Destroying American Education, and it's Luke Rossek. And I definitely encourage you to get a chance, take your time, and read it. Because it doesn't really matter if you are a parent, obviously you're very much involved, or you're a grandparent, or you're a business owner. Because the reality is when these kids graduate from high school or they go to college, they're going to go into the business arena. And you have to understand what it is that you are facing when you are seeing the results of our public education. Now, try to remember this. This is not indicative of 100% of the people that graduate because you're going to have a medium. You're going to have people that are doing very well, have a very good education, have a good brain, and others that have been kind of overlooked. Now, before I meet, I just wanted to share one thing, because recently you might have heard an Albert Einstein quote, which is, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different results. And yes, that's a very true statement. And I could discuss with you, you know, how that doesn't actually play out 100%. But a good friend of Einstein, and actually an intellectual sparring partner, because, you know, when you're at that level... It's joyful to discuss and, in essence, spar over, you know, the meaning of life and other things that are very important. And this Niels Bauer, he came out with a very similar but slightly different. It says, it's naivete to, is doing the same thing over and over and always expecting the same result.
Now you might ask, well, well, why is that? And that reason is because there exist hidden aspects of reality that we don't seem to take into account. There are very small changes in the initial conditions and the conditions that you're making this action that will also alter the result. So just keep that in mind. It's a lot of fun. And right now, we need to get to the purpose and the heart of today's show. And I want to introduce our guest, and her name is Christy Lozano. Her background is she's been a long-term teacher, 18 years, actually, nine years of that she was teaching high school. She professes herself, and I agree with her 100%, she's a lifelong learner which means she stays in the game and she continues to just expand and mature what she is and who she is and what she knows. She has a, a background of a bachelor of science in, a bachelor of science in science. Hey, that's fun. She also has a master's degree in educational leadership. She is a soccer coach. She was an Air Force veteran. And basically her heart is to help people. She currently is running for county superintendent of schools in Santa Barbara County. And so I want to introduce to you Christy Lozano. Christy, good more, uh, good afternoon. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Edward. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like you've been on the news a lot lately and, you know, you've had an opportunity to share, you know, your story and, and what's going on. And what we're focusing on today is the, the schools in Santa Barbara. But I heard one of your interviews and you had also mentioned San Francisco and Salinas. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Sure. But I have so many questions to ask you. And I'm really hoping that we literally have enough time to cover them all. So, <laughs> we'll do our best. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you're going to do great. Now, without spending you know, a, a graduate degree here, why don't you kind of introduce to us again and tell us about what CRT, critical race theory, is. And then we're going to talk about why is it being taught in our public schools. So just give us a thumbnail sketch. What is critical race CRT? critical race theory well i think the way that i would describe it is mm -hmm. uh, you know it's brought in as a um uh, as as you know to teach about race and culture and people groups and you know with the in they say intention of educating um individuals about race and culture and people groups mm -hmm. um but what I've observed is that, it, you know, it, it, it does bring that in, but um, it does it in a way that um, brings a lot of negativity and, um, uh, you know, kind of puts people against each other. Um, you know, the white uh, person is, you know, a white, um, what do they call it? Um, well, it's an oppressor, but it's no. a white privilege is the term that they would use where people of color are um, oppressed and they're in a situation that they can't get out of, whether they want to talk about slavery or, you know, things like that. And so they bring it in as, as a way to discuss that, you know, like we need to discuss these things that have happened in the past. And yet, but it's in a negative light. They bring it in a negative light. And so it ends up upsetting people or making them feel bad. It makes white people feel bad because they are the racists. 
It makes people of color feel bad because they're the ones being discriminated against. And it just perpetuates. It's almost like um, it just starts a fire. You know, there wasn't a fire and it comes in, starts a fire. And so, and it, and it's subtle. It's kind of a very subtle um I think, I think even the, you know, psychologically the tone and the way things are said and it's sort of like planting seeds Mm -hmm. and, and then it it sort of capitalizes on, um, you know, bad things that have happened to people. I mean, bad things have happened to all of us. And so it's sort of half true because it will, you know, maybe instigate some emotions or some different things inside of somebody that's happened and then it will give, you know, give a reason or excuse why those things happened, which isn't true, isn't yeah. generally true. Mm-hmm. And so, and, but it's hard, I think, sometimes for the human brain to understand, you know. And just happened. jumping in on that, it doesn't seem like it's very subtle at all. I mean, yeah, sometimes it's not, right. Well, right. You know, we can see the demonstrations in the streets and the burning of buildings and the taking over towns. Right. And, and so it's not subtle at all. And it, as right. you're pointing out and giving it a word, it's very divisive. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very much puts people against each other. And, you know, I, I mean, I think that talking about problems that have happened or things that have happened, you know, I kind of like to say honest education. Like if we can honestly look at our past and just discuss it as, matter of fact, but not let it, you know, get in the way of relationships, then that's great. You know, we should be able to have those conversations, Mm -hmm. but this gets in the way of relationships and it gets in the way of, you know, people and basically focused on race, you know, it focuses on race, the color of your skin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, Martin Luther King said, it's not the color of your skin. It's the content of your character. Yeah. And so it, it very much goes against what Martin Luther King was for. And right. so, right. Um, now, another problem with this push, and we'll get into some more of the details about how it's actually being played out in the schools, is because it's becoming more and more of a focus within schools throughout the country. And I've got some stories, even from as far away as Texas and the East Coast, about how it's impacting children's mindset and understanding of the world. It's yeah. also pushing out the three R's. So, because they're they're teaching this, they have obviously less time to teach reading, reading comprehension, writing, arithmetic, true history. Because I understand they've they have hijacked the history of America and have been recasting it in, into their own light to push their own agenda. Mm-hmm. And and so, do you see as a teacher, and you've been through this for a year or so, especially during the lockdowns, do you see the focus that should be on reading, writing, and arithmetic? Is that getting pushed to the side? Absolutely. Um, I think kids are like sponges. They want to learn and they will learn and they go to school every day for the opportunity to learn. And depending on what they're being fed, you know, it's kind of like a meal. <laughs> whatever you're eating is kind of what you become. So whatever they're learning is what they become. And here in Santa Barbara, we, there's 12 incidents in the last, I don't know if it's just like the last couple months mm-hmm. in our district, um, 12 incidents of racial 
um, incidents in, within the schools. I think it was 12 incidents in seven schools. And that was just in the newspaper this week. And so they're very much reaping what they've kind of sown, so to speak, of what they've been teaching. We don't see education scores rising because no, no, no. the education is down. Like the book you were talking about in the very beginning, <laughs> the race to the bottom, education is down. All this racial stuff that they're teaching is up. And so now there's all these incidents of, you know, racism and attacks and mm -hmm. different things going on. And it really shouldn't be a surprise if that's what the kids are being served every day. Yeah. And, and the way a child you had mentioned about the, the children being influenced, the, the, the reality is when they grow up and they're small, they see their parents as the source of learning. Mm -hmm. So they're taught how to eat, they're taught how to talk, they're taught how to walk, all of that. So when they end up moving into the school age level, they actually see teachers as the authoritative figures and the influencers of their life. Mm -hmm. And because of the amount of working parents and the busy right. lives that they're living, the vast majority of the influence on children are teachers. Right. And the thing that I caution parents and grandparents to recognize is the school you're sending your children to or you're seeing your grandchildren go to is not, not even close, the same as what it was 30 years ago when you were in school. Right, absolutely. Um, so don't... don't consider that oh you're sending them off the school has been said to be a good school and i'm very happy that they're going and i have no idea what they're teaching right and a lot of it's undetectable um to parents and grandparents because especially if they're a small child they don't know any better mm -hmm. and so they're not going to necessarily come home and talk about it they're not going to say oh my gosh this is what happened today because they don't know that it's wrong and they don't know that it shouldn't be being taught. You know, and I would say even up into high school, junior high and high school, I think sometimes they don't talk about it because they think it's funny or they, you know, they know their parents wouldn't really like it. Yeah. And so they're like sneaking it. You know what I mean? There's sort of mm -hmm. like a little bit of um, uh, curiosity at like things that they want to learn and so they will just take it in, but they won't really talk about it because maybe they know their parents would not agree. Sure. You know? And so it, it really can create a lot of um, relationship problems between students and their parents. And, you know, if parents write it off as, oh, this is just normal teenage behavior, mm -hmm. um, then <laughs> they're missing the warning signs. Yeah, right. Now, we're, we've covered a just in general terms, two of the areas that, you know, I wanted to definitely cover. And that first one is what they are being taught, which is, you know, the the creation of racism through this so-called anti-racism professed mm -hmm. CRT. Mm -hmm. They're also not learning reading, writing, arithmetic because the grades and the testing proves it mm -hmm. and inflating grades to say they're getting all A's and yet they, they can't punch themselves out of a paper bag. Right. Here's another area that is very concerning to parents of, of all political spectrums is we hear that there is sexuality and extreme gender deconstruction that is also being taught. Is that true? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, here in uh, Santa Barbara, I was talking to a parent whose child is in junior high, and she said of her entire class, only two people identified as heterosexual. Two out of probably a class of 30. And while that's shocking for mm -hmm. me to hear that, it doesn't surprise me because I think it's very confusing for kids. They're, they're, especially in junior high, you're just trying to figure out who you are. So to then have, let's just say 10 different options. I don't know how many options there are at this point, as yeah. far as what you identify with, but to have kids to, you know, um, introduce that in, in a place of them being so young and not even understanding what it means or, you know, any of that, mm -hmm. it, it's very confusing. And so I think they're more confused than anything, but the best way to unconfuse kids, you know, for parents is to talk about it. And while we don't want to have to talk about these things, if other people are talking about them, then we have to. Yeah, that's your only antidote. Right. And, and what's interesting about the, the numbers that you just gave two out of 30, um, that's the reason the result of the influence of the authoritative figures of teachers, not the parents. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes we hear with celebrities that they're having a fight, a divorce or something like that, where one of the parents is trying to convert their child into, you know, I don't know, some other thing, some other Gumby type sure. uh, character. <clears throat> and your story is not alone. I have a family member, actually, who uh, has a eighth grader in a school, in a very quality school in Maryland, and she was telling me, that uh, her daughter has come home and said more than 80% of mm -hmm. the people in that classroom are playing the gender game. Mm -hmm. And in, to, in addition to that, what's interesting is on Monday, they think they're this. On Thursday, they think they're something else. And the following week, again, they've evolved into something else. And so what you're saying is is very true. They're very easy to be influenced they're very confused that yeah. hormones are just starting to kick in and you know they don't have something good to look at so that they can mirror and and you know grow into that where it used to be and it still is biologically there, we have a male and a female mm -hmm. and and interestingly enough the real statistics about those that are, you know, don't fit into those two categories mentally or whatever is less than 2%. Mm -hmm. And yet now what they're doing with driving this, this sexual, extreme sexual gender deconstruction is it's, it's infecting everybody. I mean, it's worse than the virus itself, the, the Chinese virus or COVID or whatever you'd like to call it. Mm -hmm. I mean, and what we're doing is we're influencing them at such a young age. I mean, we have seen definite reports of having naked, not naked, but transvestites dancing for kindergartners in public, you know, uh -huh. libraries. I mean, uh -huh. this is, uh -huh. th this is, uh, the world's on fire here. Mm -hmm. in right. the educational area now again because we're just kind of hitting a, the topics on a whole there's a third area that you've mentioned we certainly see it at home and that is clearly there is a mental health crisis going on with our children and many young adults as well what what do you see at the school level with that 
Well, I definitely see, you know, I, we talk about that here in Santa Barbara and they talk about bringing in mental health services and kids are, you know, when kids are in a chaotic environment, that is going to bring mental distress. That's going to bring mental to distress to anybody. Yeah. And so if discipline is low and confusion is high, mm-hmm then it's going to create a, a phenomenon of, of insecurity. It's not a phenomenon. It's going to create insecurity. Mm-hmm. And um, in Santa Barbara, they've talked about, you know, having safety resource officers on campus. Those would be like police officers. And they've talked about removing those and bringing in mental health services. And really, it's an all hands on deck situation, in my opinion. Yeah. You need to have the resource officers because they bring a sense of safety. Safety is going to cause uh, security in people and to talk about removing that safety because, you know, in Santa Barbara, they'll say, well, kids don't feel safe with cops. Well, the ones that don't feel safe are probably the ones that are misbehaving. That's right. why they don't want them there because they right. want to be able to misbehave. Right. And so it is like a constant, um, it's a constant degrading of the system. You know, you talked about inflated tests or inflated grades, Mm -hmm. you know, they inflate the grades to cover up the fact that they can't teach or that they're not doing a good job in education. And you can only do that for so long before the, you know, the bow breaks Mm -hmm. and they're doing it in all these different arenas, you know, Uh, It's creating more mental illness because there's not safety, because they don't know who they are. They've lost their identity because they um, feel afraid, you know, masking and, you know, just all the stuff that's gone on is very chaotic. And and you're very good at clarifying that for people to understand, you know, these issues, which are significant, you know, just the CRT, no more teaching, the read, writing, arithmetic, the the deconstruction, the confusion of sexuality for young kids who haven't even got there first, second, third, fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is it doesn't seem that it's coincidental that this is happening alongside with the pandemic lockdowns Mm -hmm. and the radical teaching with the extreme sex ed, the gender bending, and the mental health crisis that our children are going through. If you look up the numbers, the, the suicide rates for teens is growing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the pandemic, which was supposed to be 15 days long, the lockdown, which they extremely went to two years, certainly didn't help it. But at the same time, you know, the person that is the authoritative figure, the influencer of these children's lives is feeding them garbage. Mm-hmm. And all of that has gone on to, to extreme. Now, there's one, one more part of this picture that is going on in our schools, and that is teaching young children activism. Mm-hmm. What so? What do you say about that? Yeah, that's that's how they can take them away from their parents. That's a way of really, you know, it's everybody needs acknowledgement. We all want to be listened to. We want to be heard. We want to be somebody. We want to have a voice, you know, and so if they are 
taught in activism, then it, it sort of, you know, feeding the beast sort of like, you know, like an adult is going to say, yes, what you say really matters. And you should go tell your parents that, or you should tell your teachers that and don't do what they say, you know, so then it creates a division between that student and the people of authority in their life. And then it makes them very appealing because they're sort of the mastermind and they're sort of the one that's caring for them, so to speak, you know, and then the kid will turn to that person and go follow them. And then, you know, they're going to just use them, use them and kick them to the curb at some point. But the kid, the student doesn't know that. You know, they think they're going to be somebody. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, I mean, that's not like a difficult concept for people to understand. I think what's difficult sometimes is what to do about it. I think that's where parents really have to, um, you know, really dig deep and and try to, uh, you know, listen to their kid and be and be there for them and talk to them and, you know, not allow the division to take place. And it is possible. It takes a lot of humility. It takes patience. You know, sometimes it takes help, you know, getting some help mm-hmm. and, um I think, you know, having other family members involved, like when I speak to grandparents, I say, you know, you, you might be able to be the one that listens to them because there's a problem between the parents and the kids and they need another solid adult to, to listen and not make judgments, but just try to, you know, give them critical thinking skills to get them out of what that person's doing. It's sort of like fighting fire with fire, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, you, if you get mad and you tell them to just go, they will, you know, it's like, don't kick them out. Don't punish them for, you know, for the education that has taken place. Try to, you know, try to press in and re-educate mm-hmm. or get them to come back to your side or, you know, it's a really uh, and, serious and difficult thing. Yeah. And I understand exactly what you're talking about, but wouldn't a better solution be that we take back our schools mm-hmm. and that what we do is we teach them reading, writing, arithmetic, mm-hmm. history, teach them music and sports and, you know, shops, you know, wood shops and, mm-hmm. and, and those kind of, if we would just get back and teach them what they need to know yes, so that they can be successful adults. And when they hit 25 and their brains are finally getting to the point chemically where they have, you know, molded and matured, then they should be able to start thinking about, you know, any issues like, you know, the politics maybe, or, you know, Mm -hmm. their place in society and, you know, what their true passion is and, you know, where they're going as adults, because they're not going anywhere as children, they're locked in. Now, a a fifth segment that I also want to bring up, because this is part of this whole problem, and that's secrecy. Mm -hmm. So, they're cutting out parents and replacing it with the government is now raising your children. And Mm -hmm. this, obviously, is what they're raising them with. So, what can you tell us about how did this whole thing go from, you know, parents were actively involved in the school districts and the school curriculum for for decades and decades, hundreds of years, 
Mm-hmm. And now it's a matter of secrecy. And it wasn't until the pandemic, which probably was one of the only benefits of this whole thing, mm-hmm. is they were Zooming kids at home and accidentally parents were able to watch. And they probably, the teachers didn't figure this out. Mm-hmm. And when they started getting hearing pushback on it, they immediately told the students, don't tell your parents and don't let your parents see and watch the class. So what do you know about this secrecy? Is it true or is this just a rumor? No, it, it's definitely true. And it's a, been a slow, you know, it's like an attack on the whole child. This has been an, an and we have to fight it with, a, a, you know, a whole, you know, attack back, taking back our schools, putting good leadership in, bringing an antidote, an antidote to kids. Mm-hmm. But the secrecy part has been a long, slow process. In Santa Barbara, they started with this equity diversity training 15 years ago with us. It's sort of like uh, torture, like long-term torture, where they Mm -hmm. just keep beating us with it until we do it. Mm -hmm. And they keep, you know, training us, training us, training us, training us. And then they'd start training the kids and they, they even do outreaches to parents and they train some of the parents. And then the teachers start bringing these things into their classes and then they start indoctrinating the kids. Mm-hmm. And, and now the kids are indoctrinating other kids and shaming other kids if they want to speak up or they don't like something. And, and then even I would say the school boards and some of the um leaders that are in power are using kids, you know, here in Santa Barbara, they have them come to school board meetings and speak at school board meetings for towards the agendas that they want to pass. And then they say things like, oh, well, we're listening to the kids. And so we're going to pass this agenda, you know, and it's just, it's weaved its way in like a tentacles, like an octopus with tentacles. It's just sort of uh, weaved its way in. Uh, right now they, they, and they're still, you know, they're still doing this indoctrination of teachers and of students. Mm -hmm. They bypass parents by using Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, um, Snapchat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They don't go through the normal means of communication, like email and those sorts of things. Kids can attend things with adults. Um, I saw recently, Uh, Some adults reaching out to kids saying we would like to speak to 14 to 19 year olds about deep sexual conversations. Please sign up if you would like to come to this meeting. And the student said, is this going to be in person or is this going to be on Zoom? And the adult said in person. And so then all of a sudden, this kid can go to a secret meeting to talk about deep sexual things, and their parent doesn't know anything about it. They got accessed on Instagram, you know, Mm -hmm. and it happens all the time around every corner, and it's everywhere. So it's really hard to um, keep an eye on. It's hard to watch for. Um, I happen to have a 15-year-old daughter who I have a very good relationship with, and she notifies me of these things. (laughs) If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't know. I probably still don't know half of what's going on because I think there's so much she couldn't possibly sit there and tell me everything all the time, you know? So they're even hiding this kind of stuff from teachers because you're a teacher. Right. Right. 
Right. I, unless I'm going searching and looking at all these different, you know, groups on the websites. And, you know, if I could spend my whole life doing that, I would probably not even still keep up, you know. And you'd probably start getting mentally stressed about this as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, our band was going back to this, this um, you know, you said for 15 years they've been, you know, inundating teachers with this new equity as you had mentioned the word equity and just for the audience please as a reminder equity is not equality mm-hmm. you know right. equity is is racism and they couch it or hide it under the word of anti-racism because it it truly is racism by creating embattlement between races now would you think and from what i'm hearing this kind of reminds me of what i would call re-education camps with the teachers yeah and mm-hmm. and so it was it was purposeful mm-hmm. it was aggressive and it was it was planned in advance to where they wanted to take our children right so they first had to convert forcefully bullying teachers to get there now what's interesting if you if you watch the news and you don't just you know mesmerize by cnn and the msnbc's the reality is across the country you know things are happening to teachers like as an example you know one teacher in gosh i don't remember what state it was in but the teacher was suspended for not using the student's preferred gender preferred names and pronouns Mm -hmm. i mean you know you're either he or she and yet if and from day to day as we described already the 13 14 year olds are changing their so-called gender preference every other day right um and then a teacher gets fired literally kicked out of school for doing that now another thing that i saw in one of your um videos or something like that that you know you were moved out of a school transferred out of school Mm -hmm. and out of the 22 teachers or whatever the number was Mm -hmm. uh, 20 of them were were moved out or they quit or you know they retired or whatever because they weren't willing to make this uh, conversion to the bad side of the world Mm -hmm. is that true well they um, they were so we were in an elementary school and they were wanting to convert the school to dual language instruction okay And so a lot of the teachers were white. Some of them even some of them were actually bilingual, Mm -hmm. but they said, oh, no, the qualifications are way too high. We're going to be getting rid of all of you. Mm -hmm. So you can either leave now or you can um, wait and leave when it was going to be like a slow conversion. Like they were going to start at kindergarten and then go to first grade, second grade. And so when your year came, you would be moved to a different school. And so um, all the teachers knew they were going to have to go to a different school because of the DLI. But we had a principal at the school who made everybody's life very miserable. Mm. And I think the thing that I've learned in our district down here is um, I have worked in um, about four different schools. And at each school, I'm somebody who's a program builder. I do a really good job building programs. Um, I took a soccer program that was $8,000 in debt. And within six years, I had it totally turned around to be like one of the best programs in the school, the most money in the school. And we had uniforms and coaches and everything was going great. 
But I'm also somebody who brings up problems and I address problems. And I, you know, I'll bring problems to the principal because if kids are in danger or, you know, something needs to be fixed, I'm, I'm an advocate in that way. And I'm not afraid to talk about the problems. And so the first time I did it, um, I was rewarded with an involuntary transfer to another school. I was like, that's weird. So then I went to the next school and I became the union rep. I advocated for the rights of teachers. Um, They hadn't had a union rep for nine years. And, you know, come to find out it was because of the principal and how she and her her kind of iron fist at the school that if you were the union rep, she would have, you know, made mincemeat out of you. But I didn't really know that at the time. I was young and full of energy. Mm-hmm. And she did some things and I had to go to the union and I had to get them reversed. And at the end of the year, I was revor- rewarded with another move to another school. And I was like, this is so interesting because at the first school, I didn't realize, you know, what was going on. And that happened at the second school. And then at the third school, um, actually, my first principal, he loved me. He put me as teacher in charge. I was going to be his right-hand person. Um, I did that for a year. And then he ended up leaving the school. Another principal came in. And again, I brought up problems. I was the union rep again. And what I realized is these principals ha- have an allegiance to the district and they they do not have an allegiance to the teachers and the students. Right. And so when I bring up safety issues or, um, you know, uh, teacher right issues with regards to the contract or different things like that, it it causes a problem for them because they can't deal with it or they don't want to deal with it. And then they turn on me and I've become the problem and I get rewarded with a, with a transfer. And so there's a real problem with leadership. The, 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 it's a people problem. And the problem is with the leadership and how they are running the system. And it's a very toxic culture. Um, I went and spoke to the president of the school board. I'm somebody who goes and I will have those conversations with people. And I said, you know, this is bad policy, the way that uh, human resources is, is treating its teachers. And I talked about Um, McKinley, the school where these 20 teachers, they got chased off pretty much. Mm -hmm. The principal was so bad, they wanted to get out. Mm -hmm. And I went and talked to the president of the school board. And I said, let me tell you the story here, what happened with these teachers. And I said, and it really is devastating to the students because they are low income, um, home. A lot of them are homeless, DACA kids uh, straight from Mexico and they really um, rely on the relationships with their teachers because Mm -hmm. that's all they have. Stability. Stability. Right. And and we were very stable. There was a lot of teachers that were there for a long time that knew the population that knew how to help these kids that loved them and sacrificed for them. And I said, so it's really devastating to the most, you know, they they use the term most vulnerable, um, but they really are the, you know, the ones with the greatest needs and they just 
when my words blew up the school, you know, and, and, and I think where it really challenges me is they want to say with their words all the time, well, those are the ones that we care about those kids and we're going to do right by them, but they're not, their actions speak louder than words. Sure. And, you know, as what you're referring to is they're basically bullying the parents, bullying the teachers, obviously. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just like when you have a conversation uh, and outside of CRT, but all of the the far left agendas, if you go approach them with a logical conversation, they just turn it around and just call you a racist. And, and there's no back and forth about logical thinking or, or talking about it. Right. You know, without getting off track, because this hour has been going so well and so fast, I, there's a couple of things that I, I want to cover. And this this one, I'm hoping you might be able to answer for us. So, in one TV interview I saw, and this is the reason why I, you know, keyed in on you, you were talking about how the CRT curriculum, which has been started somewhere else, it was instituted in San Francisco, right? Mm-hmm. That there was a paid hired consultant that, that wrote this curriculum for San Francisco, but then they also came down to the Salinas School District and did it here. Do you know, and I'm hoping that you do, Who? what is the name of this person that the school districts have been hiring to write these agenda? What's his name or her name? Um, I am actually trying to, I was, I've been working on getting that information this morning. I know the gentleman's name that they hired in Santa Barbara, and but he works in conjunction with this other gentleman that is in Salinas, and I'm not sure what school district I actually was asking uh, my friend who knows that information. No. Um, and so I can't give you the name at this moment because I don't have it. <laughs> so but, the, name of the guy in Santa Barbara was what? Uh, the, the, it's, his name is Art Nelson Concordia, and he has a friend that also got placed in and and to me it seems strategic you know they're kind of putting them in districts um that you know are maybe not quite like la size you know maybe medium-sized districts or something Mm -hmm. where they can um you know really design this curriculum implement it get the teachers on board uh with regards to the curriculum in santa barbara um art nelson was the um organizer of it um he has a you know group of teachers that help him some i've known for a long time some moved from san jose area down um and it's a very coordinated effort in my opinion from what i observe it definitely is so for our listening audience since this program will be up on the website later on um, Christy, you're going to get me that name. The yeah, I can get you that name. And mm-hmm. what I'll do is I'll include that in the posting that shows up tomorrow afternoon after the producer, my Mark, awesome Mark, um, puts that all together for us and we're able to get it up on the website. Because, mm-hmm. you know, here's here's the reason why I'm asking for specific names. Everybody is doing this behind the veil. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're doing it in secret. 
And as we had mentioned, they're they're keeping it a secret from the parents, but they're keeping the who is doing all of this in secret. It's behind the smoke screen. Mm-hmm. And because if we don't know who it is, we're supposed to, I'll use the word, attack to to go after, to hold accountable. Um, then all we're doing is we're just as a group, like almost like preaching to a choir. The, mm-hmm. the, the thing that I must emphasize for those that are listening today is we can't just think that this is going to pass on its own. This is this is a total conversion, a reset, not just of the eco- economics and the economy. This is a reset of your children's minds. And I hate to have to mention this, but parents, you are the gatekeeper of your child's mind. Mm-hmm. And you have to protect them from this toxic, dysfunctional culture that is being taught to them because they're being influenced at an age that this is the way they're going to think for the rest of their lives unless something happens. And what what has turned, uh, in essence, societies back to a proper position, unfortunately, is very bad world events, massive depreci- uh, depressions or world wars, things like that where people realize that there's more important things that they have to deal with and this all this stuff that they're pouring into our children's mind is is bad mm-hmm. so i want to because we we are running out of time almost is i want to recap and and you can just say yay or nay or whatever and then what we have to get to is what can parents do about it so mm-hmm. first as a re, as a recap you know the problems that are going on is there's no transparency in the curriculum nor do we know what's going on behind the closed doors the school board meetings are supposed to be public, and yet much of what they're doing is behind closed doors. The attitude that the government is in charge of raising your children and not the parents is a problem. That is wrong. And parents have gotten lazy and lackadaisical and busy in their own lives and stuck watching TV and playing on their phones. To have They didn't notice this, what's going on. This government, this CRT, this this bizarre radical left sexuality, they're grooming our children both politically and sexually. Mm-hmm. They're causing children to, in many respects, they're forced to apologize for the color of their skin, as you had mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. That is unreasonable and, and just crazy. And then from there, the list goes on. But the question that we have is this, and this is where I'm hoping you could help us. Mm-hmm. What in real life, what can parents do to actually stand up for their children, stand up for their community? And we've only got a few minutes left. Okay. Well, I think some simple things, you know, when um, the kids are given pronoun surveys or, you know, different things like that. I mean, talk to your kids. Talk to your kids and find out what's happening. Don't get mad at them. Look at it like you're going to run interference, you know, for your kids. You're going to protect them from the, you know, the the harm that's happening. And so you have to remain friends with your kids like you guys are a team. But understand your rights. Uh, if, If somebody asks my daughter what her pronouns are, she says, I don't have any. My name is Maya. And so, um, you know, it, it, it's simple things like that. Training your kids 
you know, training your kids to talk to you about what's happening, uh, letting you know when things happen, going and talking to the teachers, talking to the principal, make an issue about the, the things, be respectful, be kind, but be strong, go to school board meetings, speak yes. up at school board meetings, yep. um, you know, uh, help advocate for, I mean, in San Francisco, they turned over the school board. That's because 70 parents united you know, you, sometimes you have to put small things aside so that you can unite and work together. Grassroots. And so, we have to go to grassroots. Grassroots, yeah. you know, working together. Um, we're all on the same team to protect kids, yeah. taking politics out of the classroom. They don't belong in the classroom at all. And so trying to, you know... Um, get people to agree on that and work together, um, get rid of leadership that is that is allowing this stuff to happen, hold people accountable. You know, if you can file lawsuits or you can do surety bonds or you can, um, it, it's, you know, like you said at the very beginning of this, don't do the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. You have to become resourceful, um, you know, see what other districts are doing and seeing what you can implement in your district. It can be exhausting, but uh, fighting it is even more exhausting. And so what I like to say is pick your, pick your, your, um, Mm-hmm. exhaust uh, your um, plan that's going to be most effective. Both of them are going to be tiring. It's going to be tiring fighting this, fighting against it, or it's going to be tiring fighting for it. But fighting for it is productive. It is uh, restorative with your children and for your families and for our community and for our nation. And so we have to choose that side of spending yeah. our energy so you know. let, let, I hate to interrupt, but let yeah, me that's okay. because we only have less than a minute. So, number one, parents need to get involved. Number two, you have to vote with your feet. Leave the public school yep. system if you can. Yep. Three, you have to vote out the current school board members and vote in people who represent your beliefs. Mm-hmm. Four, you have to go to the school board meetings, every one of them. Five, don't let the school board bully you. Let's push back and make our voices heard. Number six, meet with school administrators and use the court system to protect your child. And you've been sharing that with us right now. I just wanted to make it clear bullet points so that people listening to our show, parents, grandparents, concerned citizens are focused on what they can do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it's because it's not if you don't even have children, you have to recognize this is still going to have an impact on you. If you're a right. business owner, it's going to have an impact on right. you. Right. They talk about the um, the crime. You know, crime is at its all time high. Well, there is a prison, a school to prison pipeline that has been created by no discipline in the schools. I guarantee right now in across our state, discipline is at an all time low. I don't care what they tell you. They are not disciplining kids. They are allowed to do all kinds of stuff and get away with it all and it, it, and I think it's been going on for so long yeah. that that's what we're seeing in society. Excellent job, Christy Lorenzo, Lorenzano, excuse okay. me. You did a great job today. We really appreciate you participating, getting involved as a teacher and encouraging all of us and giving us ideas and plans of what we can do. All right. Okay. Thanks there for having me. For Thank you very much. And um, we'll see everybody again next week. Mark, roll us out. 
All right. Well, thank you very much, Edward King. A great program and one with just so much super information. Edward King returns Tuesday morning on our expert segments for Alliance Career Training Solutions beginning in the 8 o'clock hour. And we'll see you next Saturday, 2 to 3 p.m. with Business Sense Radio on Power Talk, 1460 and 101 FM. Proceeding was a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management.